Welcome to Astrology Today, coming to you not quite live from the beautiful Sunshine Coast in the Cathet region, which is situated on the traditional lands of the Klahoman Nation. We will be your hosts, Jill and I, and uh, we're both astrologers. I'm based in Powell River. Jill is based in Victoria. And um, we're going to start probably for the next few episodes, just actually reading charts um, and demonstrating different ways that you can walk into a chart. And one of the more, uh, let's see now, intriguing things for me is looking at baby charts. Um, and part of that comes just from the monthly forecast things, because I look at, you know, who's moving and who's aspecting who, and I think, who's coming in, right? Mm -hmm. You know, what entities are incarnating onto the planet you know what kind of what what are they what have they been given to work with right or what are they going to be asked to do etc cetera, etc cetera. and one of the interesting things to me with kids as a parent is that that child's chart is the transits that were happening for you yes right then we know we don't think in those terms we think of it as a static thing but yes my chart is what was happening for my yep. parents when I was born, you know, and so it and, and, all yeah. sorts of stuff like what's going on in the world, but also just, yeah. Yeah. And so, you are a living reminder of those aspects that were happening to your parents, <laughs> right? You keep walking in the door and going, oh, <laughs> and, and I do believe that through time, you know, especially, you know, so what we're talking here is from a modern perspective. So, you know, for instance, if in a child's chart, I mean, this used to be the way I would look at it. You know, if you've got uh, sun, moon, square, then, you know, there was some tension between the two parents, you know, and again, the sun could yeah, be yeah. mom and the moon could have been dad, you know, no gender specifics, but tension. And, you know, so every time you walk in the door for the rest of your life, you know, you're, you're kind of evoking <laughs> oh, yeah. that same tension. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, um, well, and I, you know, like I've been with somebody who was born at the time when that Pluto-Saturn was going over my ascendant. Yes. That, that period. And it's like, it doesn't yeah. feel good. <laughs> and it's nothing personal Nothing personal no it's just the energetic it's an energetic reaction because they're yeah. carrying that they're vibe and it's like yeah oh, that wasn't a good time <laughs> darn <laughs> yeah. yeah okay so um so what i've gone through and i've created some graphics which if you obviously if you pause the video you can uh, you know take a screenshot of it and you know use it for your own work or if you go to the website i will be putting them up on the website um, and my system is a um, modified from uh, the very thorough treatment of how to analyze a chart that is written by Demetra george okay in these books um, astrology, ancient astrology in theory and practice, a manual of traditional techniques. She has two volumes. Um, and what I'm, what I've put together today is, um, kind of the summation really 
loosely saying that, um, of the first volume, which is literally just looking at the planets, not where they are in the chart in terms of houses, um, but in terms of how the planets can see each other, that part's in it. Um, but it's just, you know, uh, and okay, so the way I used to describe this to people, um, and it's, it applies both from the modern perspective and I think also from this ancient perspective, um, is, you know, imagine in, you know, wherever we exist before we come into this reality, you know, that there's a wardrobe department, <laughs> you know, and from an ancient's point of view, there was only seven different, you know, um, things that you could put together for your costume that you were going to incarnate with. And, and it's just a, an analogy to help people to understand what I was going to talk about, right? And so the ancients were very um, closely looking at how, and they called it dignity, you know, like how well placed is a planet on, you know, at the time, date and place that you were born, you know, and so from my modern perspective, I'd go, you know, you walked into the, you know, Venus's wardrobe department, and you weren't paying attention. And, you know, and so you put on clothes that she's not really comfortable with or whatever, you know, and so there's going to be, you know, you're going to come out looking not the way Venus would like to look, et cetera, et cetera. Put on the business suit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, instead of a frilly frock if you're a girl, right, or whatever, you know. So I am going to take us through a fair, and I'm going to go slow because, again, I want to use up my hour properly. Um, but anyway, just so that it's not, well, yeah, it's, it's going to be usable. New stuff that people are trying to learn. It yeah, to yeah, exactly, exactly. And do realize this is my interpretation of Dimitri George's book. And so the other person who's doing a very methodical look at this is a guy by the name of Matt Nolan on uh, the Astrology Encyclopedia. And I do have a link on my website for his, so that would be another take on it. Or, you know, literally people could just do Demetra George's study course. So mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. There's lots of ways of accessing this. So you're just seeing my attempt at accessing it. So we're going to start with just a quick overview of what I'm going to be talking about. So again, this is just what the native took or, you know, where the planets were on, you know, the time, date and place they were born. And where do you walk into that and look at the chart? You know, like, what do you start writing down or making notes about, et cetera? And so this is a Hellenistic version of that first walk into the chart. And so the first thing that the Hellenistic folks want to know is they, they took the planets and they separated them into two teams. You had the night team and the day team. So right off the top, is the sun above the horizon? It's a day chart. Is the sun below the horizon? It's an eye chart. So right off the get-go. And it, in theory, what that will imply is that those planets will want to be the strongest in the chart. Whether they are or not is another question. But, you know, that's what that was their first division. So, and that 
created certain teams. And so uh, within the night chart, there's a benefic, a malefic, and Mercury, you had to figure out whose team he was on because he's called uh, a common, right? He could go with either team depending on his phase with the sun. He's a uh, switcher. Yes, he is a switcher. He's the trickster, which modern folks would agree with that as well. Yep. Okay, then we go to uh, gender strength. And in the ancients, because they, on they only had two planets that were feminine, um, and, you know, there, there was even talk amongst over the centuries, you know, by the time you got into the medieval and William Lilly and that, where other planets were also considered okay in a feminine guise. Um, and so you want to look at, um, you know, the gender strength are, you know, do you have the sun in Pisces and that's not a strong male sign at all, <laughs> right? You know, so those kinds of things. So according to sign, then there was also a division by quadrant. And the quadrants were uh, from the ascendant to the midheaven was masculine from the descendant to the IC was also masculine. And so from the um, I see to the ascendant feminine from the midheaven to the to the descendant was feminine. So there was, you know, they each had their two quadrants. Um, and then you look at uh, by hemisphere, you know, are they um, so the best case scenario would be the sun, Jupiter and Saturn. Uh, above the horizon, the moon, Venus, and Mars below the horizon in a day chart. The reverse for a night chart, you would want the moon, Venus, and Mars above the horizon. You would want um, the sun obviously would be below the horizon, but you would also want Jupiter and Saturn there. That would be best case scenario. And then you would then put them in the right quadrants. And as I was going through making up these um, graphics and stuff, I was thinking I should actually draw up a, a probable chart with best case scenarios, <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, <laughs> I mean, there was a time when I used to think, well, if everybody was just in their own sign, that would be wonderful. And we actually have a chart where I think almost everything is in the right sign. Um, and it's like, I don't know if it's Isabel Hickey or it's an astrologer that has that. And there's another person who was born on the same day, um, you know, but that isn't enough for, you know, a perfectly happy life. Darn. Well, the, other, the other thing that you, you don't see in the chart is the environment into which that yes, seed. context. Exactly. Right? And yeah. that's, to me, a, a very important piece that, yeah, it's great to look at the chart and assess it and everything. But unless you have input from the client as to kind of what environment was like for them, yeah. that, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah exactly. And it, so that poses a particular conundrum when you're, when, you know, a friend walks in and goes, oh, I just had a baby look at their child yeah, yeah, yeah. um you know because you don't what you do have is a little bit of the context you know either you know but no not life ex experience or their take on 
the yeah. life experience. Exactly. Okay. So we want to know, you know, is it a male planet in a male sign, um, you know, that's initiating and if it's feminine, it's receiving and the solar phase in particular with Mercury. So if Mercury is a morning star, she, he automatically becomes a male planet in the sun team, right? With the sun sect, even if it's a night chart, Mercury will be more supportive of the sun team planets um, and not so supportive of, you know, the night sect chart that it's in and vice versa, right? So if it's an evening star, um, even if it's in a day sec chart, it's gonna go with the night team. Okay, so then we look at, you know, is this planet in its own sign, domicile, exaltation? Do the triplicity lords help it out? Do the bound lords help it out? And I forgot to <laughs> here, um, the decans. So there should be a five under number four with the decans. I'll have to update this. Okay. Um, and then, you know, the, um, uh, you know, are the, and I've repeated myself here. Oh, it's so good to look at this <laughs> closely and read from it. Okay, so the ruler of that particular um, sign slash planet, then its dignity, if it's got domicile, exaltation, detriment, fall, mutual reception, etc. Again, that's going to help out a specific planet. Um, the solar condition, which is based on the speed as we see it going around the sun. So planetary speed, is it slow? Is it stationing? Is it direct? Is it retrograde? Then we also have the condition of how close it is to the sun under the beams or in its chariot. Um, and then a phasis, which is coming out from under the beams of the sun. And again, that you know, is very specific to the position of the sun and the planets to the sun. Then we get into aspect testimony. So by degree, the Hellenistics only looked at three, degree, three degrees applying or separating, but they also looked at whole sign aspects and they only use conjunction, sextile, square, trine, and opposition. Now, in terms of the other um modern aspects that they don't refer to them as aspects they refer to them as aversions and that's the 150 degree separation or the 30 degree and in their way of seeing it um this is not a comfortable or even viable support if it's 30 degrees apart or one sign next to the planet on either side or the 150 sign, um, which is, uh, you know, you look at the sign directly across from where the planet that you're looking at and the sign to either side is in aversion. Yeah. Um, not any help. Yeah, the modern looks at that the same way, yeah. just because those planets are in signs that have nothing in common. Exactly, exactly. So um, it's like, huh? Uh, that's I used to always call it the duh, you know. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Heck, I don't get you know. So you can literally have that quality within yourself, you know, where yeah. there's an aspect yeah. of your character that you're like, uh, it's there. I don't know what to do with it. Whatever. 
Yeah, well, often referred to as, as an aspect of irritation. Yes. Like it's not bad enough that you're going to address it, but it's just kind of there. Like yeah. the part you can't reach in your back the way you want to scratch. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Okay, and then in this first look at things, uh, we will also look at lunar aspects. That's up to 15 degrees applying to a planet or node. And it, um, it brings it into focus is what the moon does. Okay, so um, that's kind of what we're going to do. And I promise I will update this before I load it up. So you might not want to do a print screen of this particular one. Okay, so the first chart we're going to look at, and this is for our friend, Jenna, who wasn't able to join us today. She's one of those working people and she had to work today. So a girlfriend of hers obviously had a baby this year, February 23rd, 2023 at 48 minutes after midnight in Vancouver. And so for the radio audience or Spotify, this is a Scorpio rising chart. Uh, we have uh, Mercury at 17 degrees of Aquarius in the fourth. We have Saturn at 28 degrees of Aquarius in the fourth. We have the sun in Pisces, four degrees in the fifth. We have a lovely little stellium of Venus, oh. Jupiter in the moon in Aries um, in the sixth. Uh, the nodes fall across the first seventh and Mars is in Gemini. Uh, up there in the eighth house and in the floating MC it landed in the 11th house okay so like I said what we're going to do um, I'm just going to walk you through how you might walk into this chart just to get a sense of you know who's the happiest planet who's the not so happiest planet um, how well supported is a planet to actually do what that planet's job is, um, whose team is it on, etc. And you know the team. You that froze it's on. for a minute. You froze for a second there, so. Oh, okay. Darn. Might want to re repeat what that last sentence. Okay. Was. So what I was saying is, you know, can a planet support the team it's on? Um, is it, you know, is it able to? do its job for that team, um, you know, and then there's also in just literally this first few steps, you can see what kind of connections there are. And literally uh, I have set up the aspect thing so that it only includes the three degree aspects. And as you can see, from a Hellenistic point of view, there's not a lot of, and I used to call this wiring, Yep. Um, and so, you know, we have one trine and two sextiles and that's it. <laughs> okay. So, uh, and this little guy's name is Knox. Okay. So where's my sheet for Knox? Here we go. Okay. So what I've done is I've also put up on the website. So you could, you know, again, take a print screen or when it's up on the website, you could just download this and use it to take notes on. Um, I did try doing one with a spreadsheet and 
even I couldn't read it afterwards. So <laughs> I'm thinking, no, no, just notes. Notes will work better. And, you know, so literally, um, you know, that is what I'm going to do. So let me just take you back to his chart. Um, and a point of reference for those who use solar fire, the terms in this column here, I should just highlight what I'm talking about here. Um, you know, so it will print out a table like this and the terms are Ptolemy's terms slash bounds. And the uh, Demetra George and the people that I've studied with, which is Chris Brennan's course, they use Egyptian terms slash bounds. And so that column will not be reflected in what I'm going to be saying um, because they are different. And, you know, I haven't been practicing the Hellenistic to be able to say a or nay to which set of bounds is more useful. Can't, can't go there because I don't know. Um, haven't studied it and probably won't. I'm probably, it's like when you and I first got in to astrology in terms of the quadrant house systems, you were pretty much locked into Placidus because that was the only table of houses available. Mm -hmm. and eventually there were cult tables available. Mm -hmm. And then obviously once um, it, uh, computers came around, then there was a plethora of quadrant-based yeah. systems that the computer would calculate for you. Um, yeah, so. And, and it's, it's interesting to look at the different house systems, but uh -huh. at some point you kind of have to decide, Yeah, this is the one I prefer because you can make yourself crazy going back and forth. And yes, 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 very good point. Yeah. And so part of that decision will be as you read for people, you know, that particular chart system is giving you viable comments that the client is saying, yep, that makes sense. That makes sense. Well, and the others might be too, but they, and none of them are not valid. They're just different. Yeah, they're a different, different way. Perspectives, yeah. which is good. But like I say, if you're going to do sessions with people, you kind of have to <laughs> yeah, yeah. consistent and not drive yourself nuts in the process. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay, so in looking at this particular chart, um, the first thing, of course, we can tell which sect is it. The sun is below the horizon. And so it is definitely a night sect chart. We would have preferred that the moon and Venus be above the horizon um, in a perfect world, uh, to give the night team um, a greater, you know, um, dignity, but it's not. Um, one of the night team, Mars, is above the horizon. And so the night team is for sure the moon, Venus as the benefic, Mars as the malefic, and they would say of the sect in favor is how the literature writes it. Um, we then go to Mercury to decide is Mercury on the day team or is it on the night team? And as you can imagine, when the clocks turned, Mercury would have rose ahead of the sun. And so that's a morning star. So Mercury is not on the night team. It is on the day team. 
Okay, so that's the first thing we look at. Now, in a night chart um, with the moon as the luminary, uh, the moon is one of the feminine planets, right? And so the moon, she does prefer the feminine signs, which, you know, are, uh, you know, the water signs and the earth signs. Where does this particular moon find itself? Why it finds itself in one of the more masculine of the masculine signs in yeah, Aries. I think, I think the sun and moon would be happier if they switched with each other. Exactly. They would have. <laughs> they totally would have. Okay. The water um, is the, the, the most feminine of the feminine and the most masculine of the masculine. Exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, I mean, some of these imageries just jump off the page. Right. Um, and so definitely that's the first one that I noted. And then we also with the night team, we put Venus there as well. And then if that wasn't enough, go get them juice. We put the guy in charge of bigger is better into the mix. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, so um, this particular young fellow, um, you know, he has Venus conjunct Jupiter conjunct the moon all in Aries. Now, um, so can the moon do its moon things when it's in Aries? It can, but the rest of us in the world are going to be like, oh, you're an unusual, you know, nurturing person you might not even be seen as being nurturing at all um but you will have you know this person would have a particular take on how to do moon things but it's not gonna follow in the script of whatever you know so here's where you know two thousand years ago they would have said very specific things in context to two thousand years ago if we fast forward this to the context of today, um, this is going to, you know, because it is a boy and if he chooses to, you know, um, identify as a boy, he's going to be a man's man, <laughs> definitely on that side of the nurturing paradigm. Um, in other words, well, yeah, what can I do for you? Yes, what exactly what can and do as Jill said, would be the total operative for its nurturing style. Yep. So not impossible for the moon to fulfill its agenda, um, but it's not going to look like what we expect it to look like. Okay. No, we, not like moon and cancer baking cookies. And yeah, no, not going to be doing that. Not going to be doing that. It's going to be saying, come on, kids, let's climb this mountain. Oh, don't worry about having any training. <laughs> It'll be fine. <laughs> okay. So, you know, so then we start to, we can go into the rest of the team that is um, uh, in this particular chart. And so we'll go to Venus next. And again, um, in terms of relationship styles, you know, Venus normally prefers air signs, so it can do some masculine. Um, and it's, uh, you know, its other sign is Taurus, right? And so it can be seen in an Aries dress, but it's way more aggressive than either of its own domiciles would 
you know, appear to our current uh, context. But this is not out of the range in today's world at all. This is an independent um, relationship style. Um, so I don't see this as as big a problem as it might have been 2000 years ago. Or possibly working with your partner. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. In a, in a very masculine, active, dominant kind of scenario. You're adding in the house and we're not going to do that this week. We will no. do that another time. But yeah. And so, you know, again, context does matter, as we spoke before. So, you know, again, not a typical relationship style. Um, so Venus isn't terribly <laughs> happy because she is also in her fall. Okay, so she's opposite Libra, which is where she would prefer to be. And when a planet is in a sign opposite to its rulership or its exaltation, um, it's going to run into um, problems to manifest its agenda. And so relationships will not go smoothly. They're likely to happen way too fast. So later in life, this person is likely to have a better handle on how to do relationship. And that's the, you know, what happens when a planet is in its fall. Takes a while for it to get with the correct program. Okay, now we look at Mars. Now, in a night chart, again, Mars would prefer, absolutely love to be in Capricorn in that feminine sign, um, or in Scorpio, right? The other... Uh, feminine sign. Um, but it in Gemini, it's yeah, yeah, it can be there. It's is it going to manifest its program the way it wants to? Probably madly off in way too many directions all at once, doing too many things. And Mars itself is going to go, I'm okay with that until it burns out, right? You know, it's. Um, in terms of the other dignities that it has just here at the start, um, it is above the horizon, so it's not going to be hampered by um, the sun as much. It has, it's, it's ahead of the sun, and so um, that helps it. Um, what else can I say about this? Uh, you know, and it will be of support for the, its teammates for Venus and the moon. It can see them. Um, there's a natural sextile between the moon and Mars. So at first blush, you would think, oh, this Mars is going to be able to attain what it wants to attain. But that moon in Aries is going to fuel it in such a way that it's madly off in all directions is going to be like a blur. Mm. I suspect, yeah, especially as a kid, right? You know, this is, this kid's going to hit the ground. And, you know, um, I'd like to say to some parents, if I see things like this, this child will need a harness to keep him safe, yeah. <laughs> right? Because he's going to have a ton of energy. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but he can support his team. Okay. So, um, we don't have Mercury on the night team. It's on the day team. And with the day team, they're actually in better shape 
because they all of them are below the horizon. They are in a quadrant that is masculine. Um, and so when we look back at uh, the moon and Venus, they're in a masculine quadrant, not entirely a good thing, okay? Um, uh, Mars itself, though, is in a feminine quadrant, so that helps it. Uh, okay, so the sun itself, like Le Jill was saying earlier, I mean, this is the most feminine <laughs> of all the feminine signs, right? It's, and so one way to look at the sun's agenda, um, his own personal will, not so much as we, as we say will for Mars, but in terms of innate um, strength, you know, the, the chances of burnout because the sun is not strong um, is real. Right, hmm. you know, like this would be the creativity of Pisces. Yeah, but not the literal physical strength to keep up with the no. Aries, um, Stellium, or the Mars and Gemini. I look at that and I think, get them into dance. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Yes, yes. Okay, so. Um, what might be surprising is this contrast within the child in terms of, um, you know, they, they flash out there in a big flash of fire and then it's over with really quickly because the sun in Pisces cannot sustain the energy output. Yeah. So with that team, though, um, we've got um, Jupiter, which unfortunately is a evening star. So it really can't support the sun in Pisces. Um, but in and of itself, it's quite happy to be in Aries. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, it's going to overamp that Aries circuitry and it won't see that as a problem at all. Um, you know, in terms of hemisphere and quadrant, it's happy. Um, and uh, it's sort of infiltrated the other team. And so on some level, um, even though the sun itself is not strong and it's, it's more receiving than it is of giving energy, um, Jupiter may try to pick up all the slack in terms of you know, what it is proposing in this person. And um, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see whether it can actually do that. Now, the next planet is the happiest planet in this chart, uh, even though it is the malefic that is not of the sect in favor, it's in its own domicile. So Saturn can do what Saturn does. Uh, without any kind of hindrance. Um, it's, uh, and, and we'll, I'll come to why there really isn't any hindrance to this. And it is a uh, morning rising star. It is under the beams of the sun, but it's in its chariot. And so we're like strongest planet in this chart. Um, and it's in charge of uh, Mercury 
and Mercury is on its team. And so the thought processes there are going to work in a Saturnian Aquarian way. Um, this is one of the few aspects in this chart where um, the Mercury is, can see the Mars, which is the best of the night team's position. And so even though between a sun in Pisces and moon, Jupiter, Venus in Aries, that there's a disconnect in there, this piece of the chart can pull it together. Um, and uh, having such a strong chart or such a strong Saturn bodes well if the malefic that is not of the sect in favor um, if the person comes into its own of handling that. And so it, that is an exercise in, um, you know, understanding responsibility, understanding um, discipline and those kinds of things. So we might not expect as a child for this piece to really come into its own until after the first Saturn return. And, you know, so there could be uh, not as uh, clear an evidence of the success that this person could achieve until after, you know, they've kind of gotten a handle on discipline and responsibility and what, you know, what group and what um, communication and viewpoint, Aquarian viewpoint, um, fits it best. Okay, so another piece that we can add to this puzzle is who can see who. And I've already sort of alluded to that. Um, in a modern context, um, this chart is considered like a bowl. And from a modern person's astrology perspective, what's really glaring is there are no oppositions in these traditional planets. Mm -hmm. And um, I have yet to run across any doctrine uh, within the um, Hellenistic that addresses this particular thing. But I know in my own work, and I think Jill, you can probably back me up on this, when there isn't an opposition, the upside is the focus can be amazing. The downside is because it doesn't have any innate requirement to build perspective, it won't notice when it's about to run off a cliff because <laughs> it's just too damn focused on something. Also seeing other people's point of view. Exactly. Not going to be strength. Yeah, no, exactly. Because you're very self-contained with them. Yeah bundly bowl like that exactly exactly okay so um like i've already said so the mercury saturn and mars are going to work really well and what is going to fuel them is that moon and so even though we've got this poor sun in pisces the rest of the chart kind of works together which is very interesting um, and, you know, from a parent's point of view, 
you know, I would be encouraging the parents to recognize that the kid itself is probably not going to understand the limited heart strength that it has. Uh, because the guy that's left out to lunch in this chart is the son, right? It can't see its ruler. It's not connected with the rest of these inner planets. Um, and so it could literally operate and forget that it doesn't have a strong heart. Yeah. Okay, so the next and final look at this particular level is, um, you know, we've got triplicities, which will be defined by the sect light. Uh, we have bounds, which in this case, as I said earlier at the top, that I'm using the Egyptian bounds, which don't follow the table that's up on the screen. And we have decans. So again, we're looking for... Um, supportive pieces and in some Hellenistic treatment triplicity was even considered above a planet being in its own rulership or exaltation it was considered you know does this planet work with its triplicity lord um, and so we'll start off with the night team so the moon's triplicity lord is Jupiter look jupiter's right next to the moon <laughs> whether that's a good thing or not yeah because you know what does jupiter do you put the word over so it's yeah. In More terms fun. <laughs> yeah um so enthusiasm this kid's gonna have gobs of it um seeing only the good in things uh you know so running towards the cliff if you're a parent and this child's two years old harness 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 because <laughs> it's just gonna run straight out without you know with just life is good and i'll be taken care of and yeah might think he can fly might think he can fly exactly okay um so uh the next part of this team okay this is venus again ruled by jupiter in the triplicity so you know, just emphasizing that. Mars, on the other hand, its triplicity ruler is Mercury. And so there is a really nice trine aspect there. So in terms of thought process and Mars operating, like being active, being, um, you know, forthright and um, moving things forward, this is going to be a very functional Mars-Mercury combination. Okay, we go back to the um, day team, which, you know, in a night chart. Um, and so the moon is the triplicity ruler for the sun. And I was really happy to see this because this will strengthen the sun, you know, so it's not going to be completely um, uh, without energy. Um, and, you know, this would be one of the charts where you could say, okay, maybe the triplicity rulership is a good thing, you know, because it will be demonstrated in this person's life. Okay, um, let's see where we're going to. So Mercury, its triplicity ruler is Mercury. 
Um, the only thing that I would question about Mercury having a triplicity ruler and it being itself is, does that create a mind that can justify itself? <laughs> you know, because the mind isn't necessarily the heart in my interpretation of things. So that, yeah. that, that I put a little bit of a red flag next to. Yeah. Okay. So Jupiter, and this is probably not a good thing either. It's triplicity ruler is Jupiter. So are we going to be over um, optimistic <laughs> and not very prudent? Possibly. Again, harness. <laughs> okay. With Saturn, this is interesting. Uh, its triplicity ruler is Mercury. And so again, this is a very sharp mind once the Saturn is really fully operational, which given it's in its own rulership, um, it will, you know, assume its own authority right from the get-go, but it may not truly understand discipline and responsibility until after that first Saturn return. Okay, how am I doing for time? Can be sharp tongue as well. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. With the bars, exactly. Very good catch. Okay, now the bound lords. Um, so again, are these going to support or hinder? We'll start with uh, the moon. And the moon has mercury. Okay, so there is an aspect between mercury and the moon. Um, so again, you know, this team piece which you can literally see in his chart with uh the little triangle that pulls the moon mercury and uh mars together uh so that helps to integrate the two teams um venus its bound lord is jupiter could have a lot of relationships you know on again off again on again on want you want you want you want you <laughs> And it won't even notice that numbers are growing. <laughs> well, it yeah. It could be popular. could be very popular because of well, the dynamism. Yeah. Yeah. With that moon, Jupiter, Venus. And I, I would think that, uh, yeah, there's not a lot of, there's no fixed, well, there's the Mercury and Saturn and Aquarius. But yeah, there's not a lot of, like, there's going to be a lot of jumping from one thing to another with Saturn. Yeah. Yeah, and especially Mars and Gemini. Yep, exactly, exactly. So it could be, you know, have huge social group, literally worldwide. This could be like one of those, what do they call them, influencers or something, you know, especially with the Aquarian piece to the Mercury, right? Yeah. Okay, um, that was Venus. Mars bound ruler is Mars. Darn. A talker. Holy doodle hoppers. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, uh, when we come back to this chart and we look at the houses, of course, my first thought is, wow, this could be a lawyer who would be just awesome. But anyway, we'll go to that later. <laughs> okay, on the Suns team, um, she, her bound ruler is Venus and Venus is exalted in Pisces. And so here, all of a sudden, we've got some support. Um, we got support from the triplicity ruler, which was the moon for the sun. But Venus, because it's exalted, and it's the bound Lord, this helps the sun. And so, you know, I would have thought 
you know, without adding that piece that relationships could be easy to get, very hard to hang on to. But with Venus being the bound Lord of the sun, that should help. That should help. Okay, Mercury, its bound Lord is Jupiter. What do you mean? I don't have the way, the truth and the light. <laughs> Not sure that's going to be a help. Um, okay, with Jupiter, the bound Lord is Venus. They're right next to each other. Um, so considering relationship, if the sun in Pisces has any say, will help. Okay, Saturn, its bound Lord is Saturn. Once he comes into his own authority, he will be able to stand in that and stand in it quite strong. Yeah, he needs he needs to get to his first Saturn return. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah, and given the sun, Jupiter, moon, sextiling Mars. Yeah. Yeah. This is not a square. No, that's true. That's true. <laughs> okay. Uh, last piece here is Deccans. <laughs> and um, in terms of impact, I would say the Deccan probably doesn't really have a lot to say, but that's only because I haven't worked with them that much. So... Mm. But here they are. So on the moon team, um, the Deccan for the moon is the sun because the moon is sitting on the exaltation degree of the sun. And so that, again, may help that sun and give it some strength. Uh, Venus's Deccan is Mars. Not sure if that's going to just make Mars over the top. Of course, the Deccan for Mars is also Mars. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. Um, on the Sun team, uh, the Deccan is, for the Sun, is Saturn. Um, and so, again, after his first Saturn return, he'll be able to really, truly appreciate um, the mushy part that he has. Right. Mm. Like, yeah, that empathetic yeah so for instance if he was a team captain on the toronto maple leafs which hasn't won a stanley cup in centuries um he could get really depressed sun in pisces just because you know just like would yeah whatever anyway that was aries all. wants to be first yeah well exactly and yeah okay um so the decan for mercury is mercury Okay, so, you know, once he gets his ducks in a row, that'll be a good thing. Uh, for Jupiter, the Deccan is the sun. So again, there could be some more support for the sun. And the Deccan for Saturn is the moon. You know, so, um, you know, in traditional aspect piece, uh, you know, that sun is in aversion. Um, the only uh, aspect that it has is uh, an overcoming square to Mars. Um, but there is support for that sun. So the, the sun could occasionally put a harness on that Mars from, you know, madly off in too many directions and draining it of all of its life force. Um, 
Yeah, so there just is... Looking at the, just looking at the speed of the planets, it's a good thing Mars is slow. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it had, you know, earlier in January, you know, um, Knox was born, what, in February? Yeah, it had stationed to turn direct. So um, it still hadn't picked up a lot of speed. So that is a good thing. Yeah, that it is slow. And that is something you look at. Um, and mm -hmm. so again you know, the under the beams of Saturn is okay because it's in its chariot, it's in its own sign. Uh, Mercury is far enough away that that's not a consideration. Um, yeah, and so you do, you look at, is it stationing, is it retrograde, et cetera, oh, et cetera. And all of the planets here are forward motion, um, you know, so we would expect the life to unfold um, rather quickly in the beginning and then take on a more mature, concrete uh, productivity once the Saturn return. Um, and that's, you know, the early space is all that uh, Moon, Jupiter, uh, uh, Venus in Aries. It, that makes life happen really quickly. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, from my perspective too, I think a lot's going to depend on the environment and the kind of encouragement, yes. especially with that sun in Pisces. Yeah, yeah. Because that piece can get overlooked because yeah. he has been so dominant, and yet it's there, it's very present. Yeah. yeah. You know, if somebody's not, not tuning into that, that could be really hard. Mm -hmm. So given that Jenna is, lives and operates in the world of movies and, and television production and all of that kind of thing, one might imagine that this kid has been born into that industry. And if that were the case, um, then once that Saturn reaches a certain level of maturity, you know, this would be uh, an actor who could play any kind of good, bad, or indifferent male role to the max <laughs> you know given the you might want to be you might want to be a director though ah yes because of the the saturn mercury yes very good well, point. and also just being in charge yes yeah not being yeah. told what to do <laughs> yes yes very good point very good point all that areas yeah yeah i don't think so yeah so, so in terms of the condition then of each of the planets, so the sun is would be considered the weakest planet in this chart. Saturn mm -hmm. would be considered the strongest planet in this chart. Um, the uh, Venus, Jupiter, Moon, um, just because the two uh, benefics are together with the moon, um, that makes that a, a quite an auspicious little stellium. And Mars is not too shabby either. So, you know, the, the biggest kind of Achilles heel, if there is one, will be that sun in Pisces. Um, yeah. And that really could be one. I mean, yeah, yeah. You know, looking yeah. at from my perspective, because Pisces can, well, it can be, it can drain the health and vitality, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't have the kind of fuel supply yeah. that that huge airy circuit would want yeah. to actually use. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, no, that that is a piece that 
um, the native will, you know, especially, you know, from the parents' point of view, they will need to pay attention to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that the kid doesn't burn itself out. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you wouldn't miss that much Aries anyway. And mm -hmm. strong Mars, yeah. you'd be, well, that's potential anyway. But that sun in Pisces is, yeah, because Pisces is not a weak sign, but it is sensitive. Yes. Yeah. To, you know, energy and yeah toxins and all that stuff so that can be a problem and also whenever i see pisces it's there's the potential for the whole drug alcohol yeah. thing yeah yeah if if there is depression or whatever then yeah that's the a danger for yes. that sign and not that all pisces will do that but yes no exactly and it's more about when things get tough, like, get me out of here. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's Pisces. I mean, you know, it's escape. It's avoidance. Yeah. That's, that's a strategy yeah. that, yeah, they, that, that, that they use. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. anyway. Yeah. Okay. So we have run our hour out just almost perfectly. Yay. Good. Good. <laughs> so we will, um, we will continue on next week. I don't know if I'll be ready to do a part two or maybe we'll do um, some more kids charts. Um, yeah. But I think we're going to play with these two different systems and uh, we might just take turns, which would be fine as well. Yep. Yeah. So in the meantime, thank you for listening to CJMP 90.1 FM Regions Community Radio Station. And we will say goodbye until next Bye. week. Bye. <laughs>